Welcome back to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I am your host, Nicole Roan, and we are still talking about Women's History Month. And yes, today I am highlighting another magnificent woman who is making history in her own right. If this is your very first time tuning into the podcast, then hey girl, hey, welcome to your new tribe and to the safe space to take off that superwoman cape, to take off that mask, the place where you really can just be where we have open and honest conversations about all the trials and tribulations, the joys and the pains of being the one, of wearing all the hats, of doing all the things. And we talk about how to really flow and flourish in every single area of our lives. Now, if you have not checked out the first five or six episodes where I go over the different pillars of flow, then I need you to pause. Go listen to those first couple, subscribe, come back, and then finish listening to this episode because I share so much information and it'll really help you to understand not only my own journey, but also how the different pillars of flow can help you show up in excellence in every single area of your life. Before I go into the details of who we're talking to today and what we're talking about, is anybody else excited about the time change? I'll be honest, like I completely forgot about the time change until I realized, oh my gosh, it's getting darker later. And I say all the time, I'm in the Midwest right outside of Chicago. So having the longer days and seeing daylight and sunshine a little bit longer does a ton for my mental health. So I'm really excited that we are one step closer to spring and summer and all that good stuff. Now today, I'm talking to a whole nother Nicole. Yes, you've talked to Nicole Washington already a couple of weeks ago, but now I have Nicole Scott, who is a family law attorney. And before I go into her whole bio, I do want to let you know that this episode is being brought to you by my Balance Booster. The Balance Booster is a 60-minute intensive coaching session where I help you increase your capacity in one of the five areas of flow. If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel stuck, if you feel like you need some help and guidance on what the next best step is, then this Balance Booster is for you. I want you to go over to my website and set up your free discovery call so that we can figure out which area of flow you need help in. Okay, so I know I say I'm excited every single week, but I really, 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 really am. And we are talking to my girl, Nicole Scott today, and she is so phenomenal. And we're talking all about the workflow pillar because she is an attorney and having such a demanding, high-profile career, being a mom, And really just being the one in her friend and family circle, I am so excited to share her perspective with you. So let me go ahead and read her official bio so we can get into this episode. Attorney Nicole M. Scott is a family law practitioner currently servicing the Chicagoland area. She has dedicated her career to family law. She focuses on providing clients with results through zealous advocacy and passionate representation. 
Nicole prides herself on offering her clients practical expectations while understanding their needs and desired goals. As a child who was the center of a strenuous custody battle, Nicole understands the need for stability and security within the familial transition process. She also understands the need to have a transparent listening ear and empathetic heart during difficult times, and as such, is willing to be that person for her clients. Nicole uses her personal experiences as the foundation on which she practices law. With a number of years of experience, both personally and professionally, in the field of family law under her belt, she's able to provide her clients with realistic advice about how to achieve the overall objective. She is the founder and principal attorney at NMS Law Firm, which specializes in divorce, custody, child support, visitation, and orders of protection. Please help me welcome Nicole to the Flow and Flourish podcast. Nicole, welcome to the Flow and Flourish podcast, ma'am. I know we've been trying to get together forever. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Oh my gosh. I want to let everybody know kind of how we met. We were both guest speakers. And I don't know if you realize this, but we had the same shoes on too. (laughs) 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 We were both guest speakers at uh, Deanna's Divorcing Me Women's Conference that she had. What was that, two years ago now? Yep. Wow. And I knew when I saw you up there speaking and even when you were handing out your little goodies, I'm like, this woman is the real deal. I didn't even know that you'd started your own firm at that time. I was just so involved in what you were saying and all the knowledge that you were dropping. And so I'm excited to be able to collaborate with you and to welcome you to the podcast, ma'am. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, yeah. So I have already given you a very formal introduction and read off your bio and all of that. But can you tell us a little bit about your journey, kind of how you ended up um, in law and opening up your own firm and all of that good stuff? Okay. So my journey was definitely destined. I grew up with my grandmother, primarily and my maternal aunt and my maternal grandmother, as well as my paternal grandmother because my parents were on drugs when they had me and my mom was on drugs. She was in rehab. My father who was a Jamaican native was deported back to Jamaica when I was one. And so it kind of left my family to help raise me. And through that process, I was about six when my mom had got clean and sober and decided to get custody back of me. And so through that process, it was a very strenuous custody battle. And the court appointed an attorney for me. I had a few of them. One in particular, the last one that I have, her name was Michelle. I don't remember her last name. I wish I, to this day, I still try to find her. I haven't tried too hard. I'm sure I could, but I'm definitely going to find her because she is definitely the inspiration for me to become an attorney. So during that time, I was young, right? Like I didn't have anybody to talk to about what I was going through. My paternal grandmother wanted to know if I wanted to live with her. My maternal grandmother didn't really ask much, but my mother definitely wanted to know if I wanted to live with her. So I'm trying to tell everybody, yes, 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 to please everybody. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really expressing what I really wanted and what I really felt, but I can do that with my attorney. She was just really open. She was probably my age at the time, like now. Mm -hmm. And she was just herself. She was just blunt. 
open to the point about things and it made me really comfortable in order to share what I really felt with her. And so at that time, I was like, oh, I want to be just like her. Like, I want to be whatever she's doing, I want to do. Mm-hmm. So that kind of started my journey to becoming an attorney. I'm always- we don't have to find her. We need to find her last name. Find her. Find it, ma'am. <laughs> we need to find her. I need to find her. I'm definitely going to do that. Now you got me. My will's turning, but I'm definitely going to find her. So that was kind of where the inspiration came from for me to become an attorney. Mm-hmm. I always knew that if I was going to do it, I wanted to do like be an attorney for children. And then I kind of broadened out to be an attorney, you know, family law attorney. So that's kind of okay. how the journey started. Okay. So talk to us because I know I have a really good idea of what you do as a family attorney. So Tell us what that involves. What do you do? I am a therapist, life coach. Uh, <laughs> All the hats. Everything, right? A friend, a mother, everything, right? Everything in one. I think family law attorneys, we do more than just practice law. So at our base, you know, we do custody, what is known as allocation of parental responsibilities now. Visitation, what is known as parenting time, child support orders of protection. I deal with DCFS appeals with the department specifically, not like juvenile stuff. We are also expanding to estate planning. We've been doing some estate planning, which is like will drafting, powers of attorney, trust drafting, those type of things. And so when you get into that realm, these are people's emotions. It's not just money that's on the table. This is people's livelihoods. More importantly, usually their most prized possession, which is their children. So Mm. They're dealing with a number of emotions. I can go one day and my clients are cursing me out. It has nothing to do with me, but they're just going off. And then I get a call five minutes later. I'm sorry. This is tough. This is trying. And I'm like, okay, I can be your punching bag. That's fine. But, you know, we got to get down to business. So family law attorneys, it's, you're kind of everything in one. I kind of have to tell my clients what to do in their personal lives, what not to do, how to act how to not spend money, how to spend money. I had a funny, I had a conversation with a client the other day and I was like, listen, he was like, yeah, I'm in these streets. I'm about to be in these streets. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, Have several seats. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? So that's my job. I do it all. And then- yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know what? I never thought about it like that because as you were talking and mentioning how you were able to connect with your attorney when you were going through what you were going through, I can't even imagine the ways and the impact that you are making on the different clients that you're working with. And really being able to, like you said, switch from being a punching bag to, hey, you need to get your act together out here in these streets, on the internet streets, all of the streets, right? (laughs) Get your life together because we know, like, I think when you were talking during the conference, you talked a little bit about how even some of the things on social media can be used in court. And so really you being just this holistic advocate for the families is amazing. And that's really why I wanted you on here too, because I do believe and know that you are a woman that is making history, especially for women of color like myself. And I'm just really, really grateful for the work that you do. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I tell my clients all the time that they're my family, right? So whatever pains they're going through, whatever happiness or triumphs they're going through, I'm there with them, right? Like Mm -hmm. this stuff is frustrating. So I always want them to feel like they're home, 
when they come to our firm and when they're dealing with our employees and our other attorneys that work for us, like, this is home. So know that you're comfortable and you're safe here. Just like I did, right? It kind of goes back to my story, just like how I felt with my attorney. She made me feel comfortable and she made me feel at home in order to be able to express myself to her. So that's kind of the model that I have for my own firm. And I think that's what sets you apart too, right? That empathy, because I know prior to you, like my experience, I guess, up close and personal with lawyers, I too went through custody stuff, but we had attorneys that were appointed for us and we were too part of the, hey, do you want to be with mom? Do you want to be with dad? Where do you want to be? And as a kid, that's like really, really tough to go through. And so the fact that you guys operate not just with integrity, but with empathy and not just about the money makes a world of difference. Like, yes, you get paid for your services, but being able to tap into and understand what your client's needs are and utilizing that versus just putting dollar signs on people. Like, I know that's why you blowing up. So (laughs) So all the time, though, I definitely tell people all the time, like, I don't do this for money because I can probably make a lot more money (laughs) going into the corporate world. You know, I had the grades for it. I could have definitely went into big law or something like that, but that's not where the passion is. That doesn't fulfill me. Obviously I want to make money. That's the, you know, (laughs) but I really believe that when you're doing something that you love, the money is going to come. So that's kind of my drive for this. Good. And now I know you're a mom too. And so tell me how old is your daughter? And then I want to talk a little bit about how as a mom, you're able to manage the demands of a career like you have and, you know, just how that impacts you being a mom. So my daughter is four. She just turned four at the beginning of the week on Monday. Happy belated birthday. (laughs) So it's definitely a task, right? I remember having a conversation with my previous apostle before I even went out on my own to start my own firm about like work-life balance. And she Mm -hmm. was like, just knowing your head, like something is going to suffer, right? Like you got to know that something is going to suffer. So when you have that in the start, then you kind of know how to manage it right you know Mm -hmm. you can't give a hundred percent to these two things so I had to make a decision about what am I going to give most of my percent to right Mm -hmm. for me it's my child because she's my legacy she needs me and I still feel like I struggle with that right because my business is my baby too my business means a lot to me so Mm -hmm. it's hard struggling but I make the time right I set boundaries and I was listening to one of your previous episodes and you talked about the importance of boundaries, right? And so mm-hmm. I think that applies when you're talking about work-life balance as well. You have to have boundaries. Before I didn't. So I'm working from six in the morning to 3 a.m. and not being able to actually spend the proper time with my daughter. I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I stop working. You know, I go get her about four o'clock. I don't do any work until I put her to bed, then I'll probably work for a few more hours. And then that's it. I don't work on a weekend at Mm -hmm. all. Come on. Tell us again. (laughs) No weekends. I I do not work on the weekends at all. And I don't regret it. At first I was like, man, but no, after I'm done on Friday, that's it. I'm not working on the weekend. So I don't talk to clients verbally after a certain time, emailing all times of night. But scheduling emails has become like my best friend. (laughs) because I can definitely write an email and schedule like four or five of them out to go out in the morning. I don't have to worry about it. 
So just those, I think the biggest tip is to just set boundaries, right? And always make sure that whatever is your priority, you know, people make time for what they want to make time for. So make time for the things that are important to you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I love that you say that it's still a struggle. It's a work in progress. And I think that you said a couple of things, right? First and foremost, that piece. I don't think that it ever gets easy, whether you're working in corporate or whether you're running your own business, there's always going to be this demand for not just your attention, but your focus, your ability to be present. And you can't do everything, even though many of us run around with this cape and this mask, like I am woman, hear me roar. Yeah, but since you tired, (laughs) right? And being able to decide what is the priority. And a lot of that for me comes down to what it is that you value. And I love that you say your business is your baby too, because as we were talking offline, what a week or so ago, I'm like, girl, this life of entrepreneurship is not for the faint at heart. And every other day I'm firing myself and then rehiring myself and really learning that you don't have to work 24 hours a day. And I think that's some sort of a, it's a situation that we need to address and talk about, especially as women, like you giving yourself the freedom and the flexibility to have the weekends off, to be done at a certain time of day. What would you say to women who are listening, who feel like, okay, I do own my own business, but I feel like I have to be working 24 hours a day. How did you go from working those long hours and working on the weekends to where you are now? I had to let go, right? I'm big on it. Some of my friends, they laugh. It's like, oh, you must be big money. You're hiring this and you're doing this and you're doing that. And it's not about that. I honestly believe you have to spend money to make money. Yep. And I think a lot of people who have the entrepreneurial spirit feel that, you know, we're type A personalities by nature, right? That's what makes us able to run these businesses, right? And we want to do everything. And I still struggle with it. My team will tell you. They laugh all the time because I'll tell them to do something. And they're like, never mind, I got it. Because if it's not done on a certain time, if it's not done the exact way I want it to be done, I'm just like, I might as well do it myself. Or if I'm taking an hour to explain it to you, I could have used that hour to just do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm not superwoman. And the time that I'm taking to use to do these tasks that assistant can do for much cheaper I could be doing something else. I can be getting another client. I can be landing another case or I can be prepping for a hearing or whatever else that I can be utilizing my time for. So Mm -hmm. time is definitely money for all entrepreneurs. And we have to learn how to maximize the time that we have, right? We don't have to spend 24 hours a day doing something. We can just maximize the eight hours that we have. Mm -hmm. Hiring assistance. The money is going to be worth it. You may think that you don't have it to spend, but even like now when I hire an associate to work for my firm and I've been terrified, terrified, just because I'm just like, that's somebody's livelihood. What if one month I don't make as much as I think I'm going to make and then mm-hmm. money is too funny and then it's like depleting or I'm not able to pay for this person. Mm-hmm. And my had told me, he was like, that's not the case. That's not going to happen. He was like, if you have X amount of dollars left over. He's like, do you have that left over in the bank at the end of the month? I'm like, yeah. He was like, well, then you have enough to hire somebody else. He was like, what you got to remember is if you're hiring that person, they're supposed to be helping you generate more income. And so Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be, you shouldn't look at it as a depletion of your income. So 
I think the best tip I can give is spend the money to maximize your time. Hire an assistant, use different resources. They got Calendly. They have all different kinds of things for scheduling. They have virtual assistants. They have answering phone services, all kinds of things that you, and they're not expensive. They add up, but Mm -hmm. these things are supposed to maximize and take away the time that you're using. You entrepreneur, you business generating person doing minimal tasks, even though they're important, they're minimal and Mm -hmm. then it can be done by somebody else. So then you can go out and make more money. Yeah. It's not best use of your time. And I was laughing as you were talking because I was thinking about the masterclass that I did in January where I talked about how to have less stress and get more rest. And one of the key points was to delegate, right? Both personally and professionally. And one of the reasons that most of us type A personality folks don't delegate is because we want it done the way that we want it done. And so many of us, myself included, are like, I do not have time to explain to you how to do this. I might as well do it myself. Or we want it done in a particular way. Like I was so quick to be like, never mind, I'll do it. I got it. Just gone. I got it. Nope. I don't even want to do it. But when you learn and really sit with the fact that time is money and you learn how to maximize your time, being able to effectively delegate, I'm sure you've learned is a skill and it's not easy. It's still hard. No matter how many times you've done it. It's scary too. I do it every day. Every day. I say I was just in here making a list before I got on with you of the things that I needed to do. And certain things I'm like, Nicole, you don't have to do that. Like you can give that, you have a lot, you have two law clerks and an assistant. Give it away, delegate. (laughs) Give it to them. So then you can do the main things that you need to do. So it's a daily thing. Just like we should do daily affirmations. That has to be a daily chant in your head. All right, what am I doing today that I can delegate to somebody else that I don't need to spend my precious time doing? Mm. And it's important. And then even I think as a mom too, and I know Journey's four. So I have the 17-year-old and I have the six-year-old. I'm part of this group that I meet on Saturday mornings. It's like a productivity group where we spend like an hour really just focusing on our business to get stuff done. And I realized that one of the ladies that I'm in there with, her son is four and she delegates some laundry pieces to him. I'm like, wait a minute, my son is six. Like, And it's building that responsibility, right? Like, it's not like he's doing the laundry, but sorting out his own clothes. We were laughing because my kid will literally, he said in one swoop, take it all off. You got underwear, pants, and socks in one. And so she was saying, she teaches him to separate it out. And it's, I don't want to say it's not worth my time, but it's not best use of my time to separate out his stuff either. So it got me thinking like, maybe I need to incorporate some of this for him because as a mom, I know I hate laundry. Like I really want to hire somebody to come in here and do my entire family's laundry, but I'm not going to do that yet. We were laughing this morning. My husband and I, I'm like, look, we need to hire a chef. I know you a chef, but we need to hire another chef so I can utilize you to do other stuff. (laughs) But to your point, just really being able to delegate those different things out so you can make the most of your time. And it does take money to make money. I literally invested in you know, having a couple of people on my team, specifically as my business is growing, like with my social media stuff, with my Facebook community, with all of that. And I too was like, what if I don't have the money coming in to pay this person to do what I need them to do? 
the, when the truth is, like you said, hiring them has freed up my mental capacity and my ability to show up as a mom, as a wife, as a business owner, so that I can generate more money. So hiring these folks to add to my team is helping me generate money. And so I want everybody to know that it's okay to delegate and it's okay to ask for help because a lot of us don't do that either. Have you struggled with that before? I struggle with that all the time. (laughs) Every day I struggle with that. And I've gotten to, like I told you, even in my personal life, right? Like a small example, with my daughter's birthday, her dad was like, oh, do you want me to buy the cupcakes for school? And I was like, no, I got it. I was like, wait a minute. No, yes, you buy the cupcakes, right? Like, and I'm just like, I have to stop. Like always, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Little Mm -hmm. things like that can open up, you know, so much more. So Mm-hmm. I definitely struggle with asking for help, but I've definitely, just like the laundry stuff, girl, I started dropping my laundry off at the laundromat and they wash my clothes. I don't have them doing journeys clothes, but I like what your, your friend did with the separation. I'm going to have her start separating her laundry as well. Yeah. I'll probably still wash her stuff, but my stuff, I started dropping it off and it has saved me hours, hours. Of Tell time. me that. <laughs> hours. <laughs> And it's like $30. I think the most I've spent was like almost $80. And that was because I went weeks without washing. But for them it's to worth do it. for laundry? Yeah. Girl, okay. All right. Um, you got to think you're probably spending more than that if you're sitting there with laundry detergent. And so you probably have a machine in your house. Yeah. The fabric softener, all of that. And then the time. Switching it over. You got to stop what you're doing and go switch the laundry over. You got to fold it and hang it. It's just, it's too much work. Life-changing, I promise. Okay. All right. I'm adding that on my list. Girl, you're going to get me in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bill that's worth it. It is. It is. And that's the mindset shift too, right? You have to understand how investing in, whether it is dropping your laundry off or a system that helps you to be able to get your time back delegate. And there's so many different parts of our lives that we can delegate. And please believe after this recording, I'm about to look up delegating laundry because when I was still working in the office, I did a majority of my stuff at the dry cleaners. Right. But then part of me as a mom was like, I feel guilty going and dropping my clothes off, but everybody else's stuff is here. Girl, bye. Not anymore. Absolutely not. So, all right. I'm going to be looking into laundry drop-off service around this piece. Oh, okay. As far as getting into law, I know you talked a little bit about your journey and your experience. What would you say to others who are considering it? Because I know, or maybe you can share this. Do you have any sort of stats or figures on people of color in the law industry? Like in terms of, and I mean, I know I don't see a whole lot of us especially as women, what's been your experience with that? I think the percentage is like, it's like 2% of minority women are in law. I think that's what I thought. Like one, two? I think it's 2%. I think it's something low crazy like that. Don't quote me though. I follow this Instagram page called Black Girls Do Law. And I think that's what it said on there. It's like 2% of us. I feel like it's much more because of what I see, but maybe it's because I live in Chicago and not, you know, you know but if that's the percentage and that's a correct percentage obviously that's super super low that's crazy Mm -hmm. Uh, but I would say if you are considering law it's a hard journey and it's not for the faint of heart because 
I've had to fight. I remember when I gave birth to my daughter the day before, no, the, yeah, the day before I was in court and I had gotten to it with this attorney and I was small when I was pregnant. So I wasn't really showing as much, but I had gotten to it with this attorney and he asked me, he like, are you even an attorney? And I'm like, Sir. no, he didn't. Yes. I've had, and the crazy part is I've had that happen more than once with attorneys. Right. And my thing is, I'm like, would you, and I asked him, I said, would you ask your white counterpart that? Would you ask the white male sitting next to you? Would you ask him that? You Mm -hmm. ask me that why? Because I'm not backing down to listen to what you're saying because you're being condescending and I don't want to deal with that. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was his response to that? He was like, what did he say? He's like, you need to show me your bar card or something like that. It was just, I'm telling you, we were in the hallway screaming. I'm like, I don't have to show you anything. So I'm going back into the courtroom and you come back in there and you let me know when you're ready. Like I was screaming. It sent me into labor, like literally. Oh, wow. It was crazy. Mm. Uh, We don't just deal with that with white attorneys or, you know, our male counterparts. You have, it's multiple layers, especially as a black woman. So you're dealing with it from other black women. There's judges Mm. on the bench that are are black women and are known by everybody to give harder times to black women stepping before them, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, Like what happened? Everybody knows that. And when your white counterparts come to you and say, yeah, it's historical that this black woman judge is not like black women. It gives much harder times to black women. It's disheartening. So we deal with it from judges, right? We deal with it from other black women. We deal with it from other black men. Then you deal with it from other white men. And then you deal with it from other white women. In addition to dealing with it from the sheriffs at the courthouse who don't think that you are an attorney and ask you, why are you sitting at the attorney table when you should be sitting behind the attorney table? They Um, really ask you that, Nicole? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. They'll come up to you. You, why are you here? This is for the attorneys. And I'll be like, I am the attorney. She's me. Yeah. I'm aware. Or they'll talk to you because they talk to people who are not represented any type of way. But then they'll come to you and just talk to you all types of ways. And I'm like, yeah, I'm an attorney. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It so the talk sideways too? Sheriff talk sideways. Clerks talk sideways. That's just how they are, right? So you're fighting all of these barriers in order to just be heard, right? In order to just be respected for the hard work that you've done and the letters behind your name. Mm. It's always a fight. Always, always. So I would tell any black woman who wants to go into the field of law to just be prepared for that and stand your ground, right? You've come this far for a reason, or you even thought about this, right? For a reason. And if you're going to get into it, just know it's in you to do the fight, right? And once you get your name out there and once you are in the mix enough and show your face enough, those things will go away, but you got to fight to get there. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. What helped you to keep going and to persevere? Because I know that it's not easy, especially, honestly, just sitting here listening to you explain the bias, the judgment, the frustration of being an attorney and still being treated in such a manner. What has driven you to not only stay in the field, but what helped you to get through and over all of the different things that you've encountered along the way on your journey? Knowing that it's not about me, I was put. Say that again, because I just got off a call with a coach or coaching call, and I had to have her say that three times. Say it one more time. It's not about me. Yep. It's not about you. Right. And so I have to have that in the front of my head every single day, whether it's me 
praying, before I walk into a courtroom, I had to incorporate God in everything. And it's easy to get so busy in the hustle and bustle that you don't take the time to do that. And when you remember that it's not about you or you're reminded that you're moving in your own strength and your own strength is only going to take you here. But if you move in God's strength, it's going to elevate you. And I've learned that and I've watched that. So I remember one time I was telling my mom, I was like, I'm tired. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm drained. I'm burnt out. Mm-hmm. She was like, you're doing it in your own strength. And so I had a hearing one day and I prayed. I prayed before I walked into the courtroom. I said, God, you know, just use me. Help me to think of clever arguments in front of this judge. And, you know, just really prayed about how I wanted to be presented and how what I wanted the outcome to be. And it was so helpful because this judge, she was like, she's flippy floppy. Like sometimes mm-hmm. getting in front of her is one thing. Next time you get in from her is a whole different thing. Uh, <laughs> so that day I got in front of her and the attorney tried some fast stuff and the judge was not listening to me. So the judge was like, all right, you guys, I'm going to pass it and you come back. So I said, all right, Lord, I need some clarity. I need you to help me be clear on how I'm trying to articulate this argument. And I got back up and I was able to articulate the argument very clearly. And I was just like, Thank you, Lord. Like, but it it definitely helped me to remember in my strength, it's not going to get done, but in his strength, all things are possible. It's going to get done with him. So that's what keeps me going. My faith keeps me going. The fact that I remember that my road was destined, right? And I think everybody can find if there's something that's in your heart that's burning that you want to do, there's a reason why it's put in your heart and you can find a reason or a story how you were destined to be that person and to do the things that God has called you to do. So use that to your advantage and always remember and hold that near and dear to you when you want to give up or when you're tired um, to keep moving. I love that. Oh my gosh. Just hearing you talk about that, right? Like a couple of things that you said, I've literally had conversations on this morning and yes, like the very first meeting I had, was with a couple of ladies where we were strategizing on our businesses. And we were talking about how not only is this not about us, but when we feel weak or we feel like we can't do it, remembering that we have to take it to God and being able to say, you know what, I need some help because your girl about to fall out. Like I cannot, I cannot, can't even verbalize, right? And being able to let it go and give it to God and being okay with the outcome. And I guess it's really that surrender. So we were talking about surrendering, even in our businesses, because I know it's been my experience like, okay, yeah, I'll surrender my relationship or I'll surrender what's going on with friends and family members, but I'm not going to surrender this job or I'm not surrendering my money and being afraid to do that. But we have to be able to remember who we are and whose we are. So I love that. In addition to boundaries and delegation, one of the things that allows you to be able to show up in excellence is leaning in on your faith. So thank you for sharing that. Oh my gosh. So, so good. Okay. So what I would like to do is to kind of ask you a couple of questions that I ask everybody. And if you've listened to the episodes and you know what these are already, but still, um, I'd like to know. Number one, if you could go back in time and give the 17-year-old version of yourself, I'm looking at your face, (laughs) 
If you could go back in time and give 17-year-old you one piece of advice and one piece of advice only, what would it be and why? Funny you asked that. I probably would have the 17-year-old give me advice today, right? (laughs) (laughs) Unpack that. Tell me about that. I feel that at 17, I guess I was naive. Not naive, but I would say, we'll call it naive, right? The world was my oyster. So I felt like there was nothing that could stop me. Like, Mm -hmm. determined and I would just be willing. Not that I'm not determined and willing now, but. It's a different level at 17. You ain't seen nothing yet. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have any bills for real. You don't have any kids. You don't have any responsibilities. And so the world doesn't feel like it's on your shoulder. So if 17-year-old me can tell 30-year-old me now anything, it'll be, it's going to be okay. Right. It's always okay. So it's going to be okay. I love that. Yeah. I think 17 year old me would need to give me some advice today too. Like, girl, if you don't get your life, you, <laughs> you got this. Okay. Like we had it back then. It was over You can do this. Like you're living proof that you can do this. Right. I love that. Okay. Since we are on the flow and flourish podcast, tell me something that you do on a regular basis to make sure that you're able to flow and flourish. Therapy. Ooh, come on now. Jesus and therapy. You can do both. Say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> and therapy. Listen, they go hand in hand. They the do. Thing about is I have two therapists. My mom was like, what? I'm like, yeah. So one is, a, he started as like a spiritual advisor, mm-hmm. but he just advises me on everything in my life. Um, okay. <laughs> and then I have a regular therapist. Okay. Um, I need them both. I don't you know, look, I feel the same way. Like, it's just like how coaches need coaches, right? Just because I'm a coach. I ha- you know how many coaches I have? Mm-hmm. And then even therapists, like, yes, I have a regular therapist, but I also have similarly like a spiritual advisor and, you know, just being comfortable with getting the help that you need from a variety of different places. It doesn't have to just be one. So you can be double-breasted with therapists. I love that. Come on now. <laughs> I love my therapists. Look, they are amazing. And I've definitely, I've been going through some stuff. So I've definitely been like really a student in my therapeutic sessions, really mm. taking notes. You know, first it was just, all right, I'm coming, I'm talking, we're talking. But now I take notes. I have, I really take my homework assignment seriously. Like mm-hmm. I'm really invested in my healing and it's just, a world of difference. You know, we're going to have to have a whole nother conversation on that, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, because it's one thing to go and like let everything out. And it's another to be a student of yourself and to really go back and apply the things that you're learning and then watch the way that you heal and the people around you heal as well. So that's a whole nother episode. I love it. Come on now. <laughs> okay. Last But not least, I know that we've talked about a whole bunch and you've shared a lot about your journey. But if there's one thing that you want the listeners to walk away with today, what do you want them to know? I would say trust the process. Everything is in divine order. And so just lean into the process. One of my favorite, favorite reggae artists has a song and the lyrics are, Life is not a burden. Life is a journey, a trial if you're not careful. So I always like play those lyrics back in my head because it's true. If you Mm -hmm. 
we have to live and not survive. I think a lot of us are used to, especially myself, used to surviving and not actually living, right? We're robots and we're just going, 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 going. Um, it's that autopilot syndrome I talk about. Yes. Without really taking the time to understand and grasp what's going on in your life and what's going on around you. That's why we can't appreciate the accomplishments that we make. And you, you know, you talked about that, like when your podcast about mm-hmm. us appreciating the little things <laughs> that we do and acknowledging them and saying, yes, I deserve this. Or yes, I am proud of myself because I did this today. Mm-hmm. Um, my therapist has me doing that. She's like, I want you every day to say, I deserve this because X and I deserve this because of Y. Right. And it helps me to appreciate just the life. Right. And so I think I would tell everybody really just trust the process. That is so good. Now, who is this artist? Share the name. Oh, Buju Bantan. Ooh, okay, now. All right. I'm about to go look that up. Look That's, I love him. Oh, my gosh. Nicole, I am so grateful for your transparency, for just you being able to talk about you know, how you got to where you are and some of the difficulties. I just really, really appreciate you. And I know that this is going to bless so many different people. And I would love for people to be able to stay connected with you. And I'll, of course, include everything in the show notes, but tell people where they can find you, how they can work with you, because I know somebody out there might need some family law stuff going on. So (laughs) you can connect with us on Instagram at NMS family law can call us 708-794-6566. You can visit my website that's nmsfamilylaw.com and all of our information is there. You can connect with us on Facebook at NMS Family Law Firm. Okay. Thank you, ma'am. Now I know that this hits you in the gut in some way, shape or form. So make sure that you go follow Nicole that you check out her services, and of course that you share this with somebody that you know needs to hear it. Because I know all of us on our journey to greatness, on our journey to being the best version of ourselves, we face some obstacles, we face some challenges, and especially as moms, right? So make sure you're sharing this with other women who need to hear it, who need the hope, who need to understand that there are so many of us that are out here making history. And as for next week, I am continuing this series. I have two more lovely ladies that I cannot wait to share with you. So make sure that you stay tuned. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you go ahead and you do that. And you take the time to also rate and review the podcast because it really, really, really does make a difference. As always, I thank you so much for taking the time to listen in for connecting with me in social media. I really, really, really do all of this for you guys. So I look forward to continuing to be able to be your capacity coach on this journey to be able to flow and flourish and to show up in excellence regardless of the room that you're walking in. So until next week, stay healthy, stay safe. I look forward to continuing to be able to help you Increase your capacity by creating balance between your personal and professional life without ever having to sacrifice yourself, your family, and what matters most to you. Talk to you soon.